Hey everybody, uh, I want to welcome you to the Compass Church, and I'm very aware that I'm in the unique uh, moment here of teaching and speaking to both our 9 o'clock and our 11 o'clock service at the exact same time. Uh, There's a special celebration at the Wheaton campus of the Compass Church after the service, and I I, uh, wanted to be able to be a part of that ceremony with those people, and so I'm I'm also teaching the 11 o'clock service via video. Love all of you 11 o'clock folk. We're in a series on our family relationships, looking at God's prescriptions or biblical advice for how to make family relationships work. There is no drug that you can take that makes all the problems go away. But there is wisdom from the maker, and his wisdom is extremely helpful. I wanted to point out, though, that though we're talking about siblings, it may be that you say, I don't have any siblings, never did, or mine are deceased. And I want to encourage you to know that these are relational principles that have application beyond siblings. As we get into it, you'll see that they're particularly applicable to siblings. But think of other relationships that apply as we go through this, and we'll all find helpful application from this study in God's Word. Well, speaking of siblings, I wanted to show you a picture of my extended family this picture came about as a result of my, me and my brothers saying, hey, what can we do for mom and dad on their 70th birthday? And so we thought we'd get everybody together, get a professional photographer, we'd even pay for it, and we'd give them this gift. And so you see my mom and dad here. Uh, this is my brother Mark. This is my brother Dave. Uh, Mark's wife Amy, Dave's wife Conce. Uh, there's Jen and I. And then this is my cousin, Chris. Uh, when Chris's parents passed away, she was still in high school. And so she was brought into our family. And she's more than a cousin. She's like a sister to me and her husband, Greg. Bunch of kids. You know, and you may, you may say, well, that family looks so idyllic. You're all so happy and you love each other so much. And don't be fooled. You know, uh, pictures have a way of uh, being a little deceitful, don't they? Everybody's smiling. The truth behind the taking of this photograph is that there is so much anger going on between us at this very moment. Can I just tell you? The idea of we're all going to take a picture was a great idea, except we can't agree on how it should be done. For example, we're all wearing black shirts. That was a point of contention. Mark and Amy were convinced that black was was the way to go. My my wife and my cousin slash sister, Chris, they felt that some gray tones, some variation, all black and gray tones would be a great idea. And they just went at it. Eventually, Chris and Jen tried this trick. They said, well, our youngest ones don't have any black clothing, and so we're going to have to go with gray tones. Mark and Amy, the morning of the shot, went shopping and bought black clothing for our two kids. (laughs) Can you believe that? Woo! Wow, was the tension high. And then the actual uh, photograph, there was discussion about whether it should be black and white, which we chose, or color. Uh, my, My brother Mark really wanted it color. He's got an artistic flair, thought he knew best. 
I had found the professional photographer, and he specializes in black and white. And so I said, Mark, the guy does black and white. Let's go with his best. And Mark's like, Jeff, trust me on this. Color is better. When we sat up to take this shot, the photographer said, hey, can I, I wasn't exactly sure. Could you tell me again, black and white or color? And I said, black and white, color. And the photographer's like, okay, well, uh, I'll do both. You know, it was awkward. And uh, I remember the photographer also said, guys, could we take off our shoes? He goes, I know you've all seen uh, photographs with bare feet. He said, shoes are ugly and they tend to, you know, not match. And my brother Dave said, uh, no, I will not take off my shoes. And I said, Dave, just work with the guy, would you? I mean, he knows what's best. Take off your shoes for crying aloud. You're standing in the back. He goes, I will not take off my shoes. And I go, all right, sir. I guess we're leaving our shoes on. And I was just getting honked off. You know, um, my, my, my two nephews here, Blake and David, they're like the perfect kids. They never do anything wrong. Never. Not so in my family. Uh, they are just sitting here so nicely. I don't know if you can tell, but I am restraining Jake. I am holding his arms. And uh, both of my brothers are like, dude, control your son. I'm trying, I'm trying, you know. And there's this, oh my. And the photographer says, cheese. And we all smiled. But man, I hope you feel it because it was awful. Awful. As we turn to God's word, we're going to see a similar type dynamic. We're going to see a family that had the reputation of being so tight, the perfect family. But as we're going to get a behind-the-scenes glimpse, we're going to discover that the tension between the siblings was enormous. And the family that we're talking about is Moses and his siblings, the Bible describes that Moses, this leader of Israel who really helped them form a nation, he had a brother named Aaron. And Aaron became the pastor, if you will, the, the high priest of that community, the spiritual leader. And they had a sister named Miriam. And Miriam was an artist. She was a songwriter, a poet. And as a worship leader, she was well-respected and adored by the nation at large. And you can imagine that the country looked at these three, and they said, oh, how beautiful. These three siblings are all so gifted and so wonderful, and they love the Lord, and they love each other, and they lead us as a nation, as a team. And so the reputation was just they were the dream team. And everybody looked with great admiration at how sweet these siblings were. Well, the truth behind the picture is very, very different. What we're going to discover is that great tension had resulted between the three of them. Numbers chapter 12 is the section of Scripture we're going to turn to. And let me just say that what these guys experienced are some, what I'm going to call sinkholes. You'll have to forgive my terminology, at our Wheaton campus. Did you notice I just said our Wheaton campus? At our Wheaton campus, the, the, the parking lot, there was just like, kaboom, this huge hole opened up a few weeks ago, you know, as everything thawed and warmed up. Big enough, you could have drive, drove a car into this hole, and so they had to repair this big old sinkhole. 
And it dawns on me that there are sinkholes, relationally speaking, as we're going along doing family life, there are these, these problems, these dynamics that can arise that just suck our relationship down, all right? So let me give you the three sinkholes that these siblings battled and which we battle as well. The first one is found in Numbers chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It says this, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. Cushite. Now, Cushite means Ethiopian. That's Ethiopia. And remember, Ethiopia is right by uh, Egypt. Moses, though an Israelite by birth, had been raised in an Egyptian home. He hadn't been raised in the same home as his brother and sister. He was raised by Pharaoh and Pharaoh's family. And as a result, he had an international flair and he met a lot of foreigners and he had fallen in love with an Ethiopian, a Cushite. And his brother and sister did not like this. She was of darker skin and a different culture. They probably raised their children by different discipline patterns and practices. They, they had different differences. And that's really the point here, is that sometimes we see that our siblings are different than us. And how do we respond to those differences very often? We get critical. This passage says that Miriam and Aaron, they criticized Moses because they didn't like his wife, their sister-in-law. She was different from a different culture, did things differently. Folks, uh, this is a challenge when it comes to our siblings more than anywhere else. It usually doesn't bother us as much when other people do things differently than us, but there's something about the differences in our siblings that drive us crazy. We get so critical of them. Maybe it's the fact that we have the same genetic makeup usually and the same family of origin that we expect that they would choose the wise way. That's our way. And, and they don't. They're different, and it drives us crazy. You know what? But, you know, the Lord Jesus showed that we need to love people no matter how different they are, to each his own. Jesus loved the rich and the poor. Jesus loved women and he loved men, the educated, the uneducated, the Gentile, the Jew. Jesus had this unique capacity to relate to very different people and love them for who they are. And that's supposed to be how we as Christians operate. The church is supposed to be that way, where we say, come as you are. If you like wearing a suit and tie, come wearing your suit and tie. If you want to wear shorts, t-shirts, and flip-flops, come just as you are. You will be loved. And we're supposed to have that attitude within our lives, where we celebrate people who are different from us. But man, when it comes to our siblings... Critical. My, my brothers are fitness fanatics, both of them. Run marathons and just exercise all the time, which drives me crazy, but really bugs me when they do it on our family vacations. I mean, we'll be down for a breakfast, you know, and 
Hope my brothers come, you know, all dripping with sweat and their towel around their neck. And they're like, yeah, just ran, you know, 1,400 miles, you know. And uh, I'm like, on vacation, guys, really? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's unbiblical. There is a passage <laughs> that says that should not be done, you know. My, my brother, Mark, he actually, we, this winter, we went skiing. After an all-day ski day when we are just spent, he goes, I think I'm going to go running. I'm like, dude, you're just flaunting it now. You know, I am. And I get so ticked at that. Is that wrong? You say, yes. Thank you. I agree. But the answer is no. It's just different. If they want to exercise on vacation, God bless them. I need to celebrate that. And if I choose not to, God bless me. And they need to celebrate that. We must permit our, ourselves to be different. They approach discipline different than we do when it comes to our kids. That's fine. They have different philosophies when it comes to uh, sp- managing money. That's fine. They have different political alliances. That's fine. We must allow our siblings to be different and still loved. In the case of Moses... He made a radical departure from the way they did things when he picked his wife. And they chose to be critical. And that was a big mistake. Pothole of people being different and us criticizing as a result. One other point I just want to make about this criticism here. They were not critical to Moses' face. They were critical behind his back. And not just between each other. It started to spread to others where Miriam... And Aaron went to other people in this nation and said, hey, you know, we love our bro, but you got to admit this choice of a wife was a bad choice. And they, really, this is getting to be treason. It's, it's uh, they're turning their back. It's betrayal of the leader of the nation going, it's really a bad thing. Let's move on. The next pitfall is found in verse 2. Uh, the next verse says this, Numbers 12, 2. They, that's Aaron and Miriam, they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? I'm I'm adding attitude to my voice, but I think it's probably pretty accurate. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? You need to understand that in this day, Moses was viewed as the main spokesperson for God. He was the main prophet. The people looked to Moses and said, what does the Lord say? And God did communicate to the nation through Moses. Now, it's true that God also spoke through Aaron. He was the high priest, and the Lord put things on his heart to share as well. And Miriam, for that matter, she was a a song leader again. One of her songs is found in the book of Exodus. And it was God-given, God speaking through her and those songs to the people. But Moses was the top dog, and it drove them crazy. They, our siblings, are superior sometimes. And that was the case with Moses. And when they're superior, we get jealous. Do you notice the jealousy that goes on between siblings? It's unbelievable. You know, we don't mind as much when other people have more or are better than us. But when our siblings have more or are better than us, 
We get so jealous. Again, I think it might be because, you know, we come from the same starting place. We have the same genetic parents. We have the same upbringing. And we think, hey, if they have it, I should have it. And the jealousy that swirls between siblings is amazing. And that was the case here. You know, I'll, I'll confess my own struggle with this. My, uh, my brother-in-law, so my wife's brother, has been tremendously successful in business, has made a lot of money, built this huge house in Barrington Hills, and they've got this beautiful swimming pool, in-ground swimming pool in the backyard. Well, as you can imagine, it's the favorite home to visit when the family gets together. My kids just can't get enough of the pool. And there was one day we were driving home from Uncle Skip's house, and my daughter Janae was like, Dad, why don't we have a pool? Uh, and I said, well, Janae, uh, I'd love to have a pool. We, we can't afford a pool. Why can't we afford a pool, Dad? Well, we, we don't make as much, I don't make as much money as your Uncle Skip does. I wish you made more money, Dad, Janae said. Uh, I, I really think it would be cool, you know, if we had the money to buy. Stop it. All right, I get it, honey. We all wish we had a pool, but we don't. So we're not going to, you know. Thanks, Janae, as a way of just rubbing my face in it. You know, I'm already struggling. <laughs> Here's the irony. <laughs> we had uh, the pool family. We had their, my niece over for a sleepover. And uh, as she was sleeping over, we had to run out to the little convenience store to buy a few things. And while we were there, my niece said, Uncle Jeff, can we buy some candy corn? I'm like, sure. You know, and she's like, to Janae, she goes, your dad's amazing. <laughs> My dad would never buy me candy corn. You're so lucky, she said. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he buys his kids swimming pools. I buy him candy corn. <laughs> A little difference there, but no, no, some, this is, this is a real tension. And yet, you know what the Lord says? The Lord says in Romans, rejoice with those who rejoice. What does that mean? That means that God's plan is we, when, when, when someone's blessed, when our siblings are blessed, when they have great fortune come their way, we should rejoice with them. We should be happy that God has graced them with these wonderful things. And uh, you say, really? I'm supposed to find joy in the fact that my sister is so beautiful and has the perfect family and has the perfect life? Yep. Admittedly, this is advanced level Christianity, all right? If you would prefer a lower level version, you can ignore what I'm saying right now. But if you're desiring to follow the Lord and enter into the ways of God in their fullest expression you got to hear this. Rejoice with those who rejoice. God, give me the strength. Give me the love for my siblings so much that when I see my brother-in-law's got a pool, I say, Lord, thank you for blessing that family in that way. And admittedly, this is going to take a lot of help from the Holy Spirit, but we can eventually enter into a place where we find joy when those we love are blessed greatly. And uh, that's what God's called us to. So let me just remind you, we've got two pitfalls so far. The first is our siblings are different and we get critical. The second is sometimes our siblings are superior 
and we get jealous. And the third one is found as we continue verses 2 and 3. I want to go back to verse 2 and then show you the context. Verse 3. We already read this. Uh, it says, they, they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken to us too? And we saw the jealousy. That's obvious. But there's more in that statement. There's another There's another uh, uh, sinkhole. And, and that, this other sinkhole is evidenced when we continue to read. It says this. Uh, it says, but the Lord heard them. <laughs> I love this. God just reminds, you know, by the way, you know, this, this uh, horrible jealousy you've got and all this complaining, I'm listening. Just in case you think God doesn't care about your relationships with your siblings, he does. Some of the greatest arenas of life that we can step into a higher way of living that honors him. He's watching and he's honored when we get it right and grieved when we get it wrong. But the Lord heard them. Now, Moses was more humble than any other person on earth. You may have heard that biblical statement before and not known that the context is in response to this statement by Aaron and Miriam. And, and we've got to ask, what's going on here? Why did God lead the biblical writer to write now, Moses was more humble than any other person on the earth right after this. Here's why. There is an implication in Arian, uh, Miriam and Aaron's statement, and that is that Moses is arrogant. And the Lord needed to jump in here and say, that's not true. Moses is more humble than anybody you'll know. Where, where's the implication of arrogance here? That Moses thinks that the Lord speaks only through him. That Moses says, I'm the main top dog. I'm the, I'm the prophet. I'm the one who speaks for God. The implication is that Moses is a, is a narcissist, uh, an egomaniac, boasting in his superiority. But that's not true. Now, here's the point. They think Moses is arrogant. They are wrong. But the fact is they think that he's got a serious moral problem. Let's say, let's call it this way. They think Moses is flawed, all right? And as we look at our siblings, we're going to see flaws in them. Arrogance, uh, other sin. Sometimes we're right. They are flawed in that way. Other times we're wrong. We're just judging them at a level that isn't true of them. But this point applies to when we're right and when we're wrong. When we view our siblings as flawed, we tend to react in this way. We get judgmental. And that's what's going on here. Uh, Miriam and Aaron are like, our, our brother is so into himself. He is so arrogant. And they are lifting themselves up in their, their view of their own morality in contrast to him. And we do that with our siblings. We see their sin, their flaws, probably better than anyone else does because we lived with them, we grew up with them. And it's so easy to get very judgmental at our siblings, to say to our spouse, can you believe what my brother is doing? And, and just roll your eyes and develop this greater than thou attitude as we just condemn them. And judge them. Now, I'm not saying we deny their sin and pretend that it's not there. 
I'm not saying that we lie and say they're perfect because they're not. What we need to do, though, is love them, even though they are so messed up. You know, that's what Jesus did. You know, Jesus was called the friend of sinners. They meant it as a, as a, you know, a name that was supposed to shame him. He, he embraced it. He said, yeah, that's right. That's who I am. I am a friend of sinners. The unconditional love of the God we serve and worship is of such that he loves us even when we don't deserve it. He embraces us. Christ died for us when we were still sinners. The incredible love of the way of God is it's undeserved, unmerited, lavished on the unworthy. And no better place to try this divine principle than our friendship with our brothers and sisters and say, boy, do I know how messed up they are. And yet I'm going to choose to celebrate them and love them as they are. This is really hard. But when you see the, and sometimes that sin that they've got is against you. Sometimes they've sinned and hurt you. And to forgive them and love them is one of the most challenging callings Christ gives. But when he said to love your enemy, sometimes that applies even in our sibling relationships. And that can only be done by receiving God's forgiveness and undeserved love towards us and being so filled up with his love that we're able to turn to our siblings and say, I am going to just lavish you with love as Christ has done me. So, Every single one of us has this in common. Our brothers and sisters are deeply flawed, some admittedly more deeply than others. And every one of us has this challenge. Don't get judgmental. Love instead. Well, you can see that this tension with Moses, Miriam, and Aaron is out of control. It is so bad. And God has to step in and intervene. You can read it in your own time, but I'll simply tell you, the Lord calls them uh, to a meeting. He says, all right, all three of you out to the tent of meeting. And they go, "Uh uh-oh, something's up. And they walk out dutifully, and God miraculously somehow revealed to Moses what his two siblings had been saying behind his back. And as they're there at the tent of meeting, Moses suddenly realizes, oh my goodness, my brother and sister have betrayed me. They are against me. They have been talking with people in my nation, trying to turn them in rebellion against me. What's Moses going to do? At that very moment, uh, God strikes Miriam. God applies discipline to try to solve the problem. You know, sometimes God disciplines us when we're really deep in sin and hardship is used by him to turn things around. Miriam gets leprosy a horrible disease of the skin. Uh, Let me read to you what what the Bible says. Verse 10. Miriam suddenly became as white as snow with leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. Aaron is owning it. First of all, I want to Applaud Aaron for that. He's like, all right, Lord, you're right. What we did was sin. What we did was foolish. 
And somehow Aaron believes that Moses, and whether Moses prays for Miriam or won't pray for Miriam, has the effect on, you know, whether she gets healed or not. That Moses is the one who can have her punished, essentially, by not crying out to God. And so he begs Moses, Moses, please, for the sake of your sister, forgive us for what we've done. Heal Miriam. You feel the tension? You know, what's Moses going to do? Moses has all three of the sinkholes right in front of him. You know, one of them is that our siblings are different. And Moses feels it right now. Oh, so you don't like my wife. Well, I don't like your wife, you know. And Moses could say, you know what, you're right. We are different. I am very different from you. And that could have derailed things. They are different. And uh, what was the second one? They are superior, right? Right at this moment, they're kind of saying, hey, listen, you know, you polluted your family by marrying a Cushite. We are pure racially. And they're kind of boasting that they're superior right now. Moses feels it. They are flawed, yeah. Their sin of, of treason is very evident in this moment. And with all those things going against him, it would have been so natural for Moses to say, you know what? We're done. I don't need this. Moses could have walked away from his brother and sister. Much less has caused many relationships with siblings to end permanently. And this is a moment of tension. What will Moses do? Will he take the natural path or will he cling to God in the supernatural path of unconditional love? Well, a simple verse but it's significant, and that is verse 13. Moses cried out to the Lord, heal her. Oh God, I beg you. In this glorious moment, Moses turns with eyes of love to his hurting sister, and then turns to God, and he just, with tears, God, heal my sister. I love her still. I don't want to see her suffer. Please, God, I beg you, heal her. And God does. He heals Miriam. And not only does God heal Miriam, he heals this relationship. In this tenuous moment, the relationship between these three siblings could have exploded permanently. But through the work of God and through the courageous obedience of Moses, grace was applied and relationship was restored. You know, when I look at, uh, I got a picture here of my, me and my two brothers. Uh, we, this is a year ago, we were on a cruise celebrating my folks' 50th wedding anniversary, and we took this picture on that cruise, Dave and Mark. We've had a lot of tensions along the way. There has been the need for confrontation. There's been the need for forgiveness, uh, we, we could have blown up so many times, but I'm grateful that I've followed the Lord's ways, and so have they, and we've fought to not let things divide. And as a result, these are not only my two brothers, they're two of my very best friends. These guys bring me so much joy, I can't even tell you. They are goofballs. If, if you don't believe me, look at this picture. Uh, this will prove it. Can we go to the next one? Next picture. There we go. Yeah, see? 
I mean, absolute goofballs. These guys have got a sense of humor. We, the three of us will sit around and start reminiscing of childhood memories, and they will get me laughing to where I can't breathe. There are sometimes I have been weeping, and I am laughing so hard I start to worry, am I going to die? You know, it's that type of laughter. And there is a commitment and a love to each other that is so real because by God's grace, we've survived these, these sinkholes. And by God's grace, we've persevered through the tension. And by God's grace, we love each other dearly. You know, the Bible says, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Sometimes, despite your best effort, your siblings just won't reconcile. And sometimes, for your own safety, you've got to put up boundaries to protect you from dangerous siblings. With those things acknowledged, Let's courageously follow God in this path of unconditional love, of letting them be them, of loving them as they are, of celebrating their superiority, of forgiving their flaws. The ways of Jesus can take this gift called brothers and sisters, and the ways of Jesus can make those relationships beautiful. I'd like to pray for all of us towards that end right now. Lord, we are so, we're just going to say it, we're grateful that you created the concept of brothers and sisters. And we're grateful for the ones you gave us. God, there are a lot of sinkholes in the way here. This comparison stuff, this jealousy thing, this judgmentalism, it is so real for all of us whether it's our siblings or whether we're thinking of a different relationship right now, we ask for your help. God, help us. Make us men and women of unconditional love, of grace and forgiveness. Please, God, grow us to be more like Jesus and heal and build our relationships with our siblings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.